I'm ready. <laughs> it says we're live on YouTube. Wow. There you go. That was quick. Even though it hasn't streamed fully, like, as usual, on my computer until two seconds ago. I just need to check that it doesn't do the weird sound thing. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, you did the weird sound thing. Yeah, I did the weird sound thing. Cool. All right. We are live after a little bit of a break and we haven't been doing the podcast for a while, but now we're back in lockdown or I don't know, in lockdown, consistently in lockdown, in and out. Um, we've got Dave Porter on um, again to join us, to help us out, to get us uh, get us through it. So thanks for joining us, Dave. Oh, my pleasure. I just hate that you have to see video. Is there any way you can do this without my face? Like, <laughs> save you all? <laughs> no, don't want to ruin the experience. Some people who are listening on iTunes, they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the people on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Cool. Well, uh, you know, I talked to Haldor a little bit this morning. Um, he, he gave me a really good idea, which is I'm going to try my best to come out in either May or June to Iceland. And then the BGJ Globetrotters folks are going to be back out in Iceland in July. So if I could get in contact with them and then piggyback, man, I just get multiple trips out there. And, uh, you know, obviously it would be unfortunate if I was within striking distance of you all and still can't see you. But um, I understand your situation's much uh, more, much different than anywhere else in the world. So um, I'm just happy to talk to you guys. I know you're, you're good to, you're glad to break up the monotony a bit. So for sure yeah and yeah our travel thing we just don't know that's the thing we've got no idea like it could be good it could be not it could be i'm already checking flights (laughs) (laughs) as it stands at the moment you need to provide decent evidence on why you need to leave the country (coughs) just just not that it's britain (laughs) well yeah exactly at the moment yeah i'm emigrating bye (laughs) Can, can, can we just for a second like accept the fact that at one point in your in your nation's history you decided to conquer most of the known world in search of spices and then you can't use a damn one of them in your cooking <laughs> like you don't see the irony again you don't need spices you just need salt <laughs> and they say it's cooked with love it's butter and garlic so. yeah well, you're not wrong there. You're you're, speak, you're speaking to my uh, my people. But, what we need to do is can we, we need now? Haldor's working in immigration. Can we get some sort of uh, some sort of get him to? And I don't mean do anything dodgy. I mean just sort out our, our residency for Iceland, and we can become Iceland residents. And then what we're doing is going home. It's not a problem. You know, if if Icelandic weren't one of the hardest languages to learn. <laughs> and you can pull it off somehow. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that would be the way to go. But man, is that a that's a that's a stretch goal and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, as it stands, whenever I'm uh, and I'm just going to pull this up for the sake of argument because this is fun to me. But let's say uh, what's not incriminating. <laughs> uh, so if so, if I'm on my phone, you know, talking to Joe Rudd, and I hit my little my little button here on my iPhone. Uh, there it is. Uh, English, Icelandic. I don't know if you could see that. Extra characters. Yeah. Well, we're all extra characters in our own rights, Bill. 
but you know, I, I, I try every so often when I'm, when I'm messaging Haldor to, um, to, you know, emphasize the correct words with their, their proper character. And, um, still, I think I know 12 Icelandic words and one of them is skull. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> uh, the only chance we've got is that, is that if Bill kind of keeps his head down a little bit, he looks a bit like Johan, so we might get him in. Yeah. Oh, man. I get away with that, maybe. <laughs> Hang on. I'm Johan. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, that joke didn't work. <laughs> he's been... He's been uh, uh, adventure biking. I see he's got a, a BMW. I want to say a three or no, se, uh, seven. I mean, what it is? Seven hundred something. Like it, it's a bigger. It's a bigger uh, BMW motorcycle. And I yeah. know Iceland is not the smoothest topography, so <laughs> he's got to be having a blast going over like big rocks and coastline. So um, yeah. I haven't really talked to him much in, uh, I would say, probably a year. I, I don't think I've, I've really heard much from him because he's been doing his thing. But I hope everybody's, you know, dealing with COVID in their own particular way. And if it means, like, you're outdoors and you're kind of isolating yourself in a way, that's fine as long as you're healthy mentally. But um, yeah, I, think that's, I think that's a big if right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My... Uh, my mental state has been spiking quite a bit in the last 24 hours because I just, uh, as we were talking before we went live, you know, the BGJ fanatics, um, tutorial went live and I got, I got to give it up to my friend, uh, uh, Monte Wiley. He, um, he knew before I did that it went live and then he messages me and he's like, it's, it's, it's happening. I was like, what is, <laughs> he sends me the message and I'm like, how the hell he, he saw the, um, the, the, um, the promo video a week ago that was saying coming soon, he was the first one to send, see that and send it to me. And then he's the first one to be like, Oh, it's live. I'm like, do, do you have incriminating photos of Bernardo <laughs> Faria on your phone? Like, how do you get this information so fast? Um, special notifications turned on. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got, so with the new DVD for the guys that don't, that don't know, not DVD, I'm too old with, for, for the guys that don't know, what's the uh, what's the update? On Betamax. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what's what's the update and what's the what's the uh, BJJ Fanatics thing? So, BJJ Fanatics is a streaming service that works with some of the best talents in the world, and you can buy your tutorials a la carte. So, if you want to look up, say, Butterfly Guard, and you just type in Butterfly Guard, you'll see who all has material either relative to passing it or using it. And when you see their names, you can just buy that person's material and they have package deals. They have, you know, daily deals, weekly deals, monthly deals. And the, 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 the stable of, of just amazing talent on there is incredible. And I feel honored just being included in that, but master sour just had his, uh, mount secrets and, and you know sorcery as well as his uh the invert which was his bottom side control escapes and reversal stuff and i helped him um as an uke filming that in boston back in november and that launched i think was it three weeks ago now two weeks two and a half weeks not too long yeah, ago yeah um i think the only reason why my stuff came out as quick as it did was it was pretty much ready to go and when i filmed it 
back in uh, December, we did it all on our end. And um, if you ask Mike Horahan, because he helped me film it, and Chris Schindler, who is the uh, the cyborg who's in the videos with me in this one. Um, quick, quick aside. When we had a world conference at the headquarters in uh, Herndon about three years ago, it was, uh, it'll be three years ago this May, I believe. We had a Nogi class on a Thursday night and the, the seminars really kick off the Friday night of the weekend, but a bunch of black belts came into town early. So we had Mark Kukro, Ryan Lazarez, Bill Jones, um, some of my favorite people. And then obviously um, when Jeff Curran comes to town, he brings Joey Deal and some other, some other folks. And so that particular night, we had uh, 40 some odd people in the Nogi class, but 15 of them were black belts. And so when the black belts all line up in the front and we're all facing the class, at the end of class, we rolled and everybody's having a great time. And I go, all right, guys, how, how crazy is this? Look at all these black belts. Everyone's like, yeah, this is great. I go, show of hands, who all got to roll with a black belt tonight? And I see a ton of hands go up. And I was like, actually, more importantly, how many people didn't get to roll with a black belt? And three people raised their hands. And so I can't hide my disdain. I'm like, guys, listen, don't worry about losing. It's not about how much you win. It's actually about how much you can get in there and experience the precision of somebody who's done it a ton of times. So if you're getting your butt kicked with a good armbar, it's way better than you know having some mongoloid blue belt just rip your arm because you're not going to learn the same things you're going to learn from somebody doing it the right way. So as I'm stating this, I go, and trust me, it's not like you're looking up at a bunch of serial killers. And I turn to Christian and I go, well, except for Chris. And then he just goes, <laughs> and I'm like, you're not freaking helping. <laughs> um, so that's my favorite Christian story. He's, um, he's, he's a really great talent. When I showed up at the HQ in uh, January of eight years ago, he was one of the first guys there who I saw that was like super technical. He was, a, I think, a one or two stripe brown belt at the time. I was a brand new, or not brand new, but I was a, a no stripe purple belt. And Chris would wax me. And nowadays it's much, much closer. And, I, and I'm appreciative of the fact that he takes my classes and I take his. And I still look at him as like one of my original instructors. So anyway, um, that, was a, that was a quick aside with regards to Chris Schindler. But Mike Horahan filmed it. We did it at the HQ back in December. Um, Chris Schindler was my uke, and we, we filmed this tutorial and it had, I don't know, 55, 55 videos. So do you guys remember offhand how many the original Darce DVD had? Maybe like 62 or something, I don't know. <laughs> well, something to do with deck of cards, right? Well, that's the thing, right? So the original, the original tutorial had 47 videos. Um, I had a bunch more material that just didn't make it and ended up on the cutting room floor. The reason for that is I was trying to highlight enough basic stuff that people will see on the regular. And then I tried to put in a bunch of fancy stuff too, to really wow the crowd, the great feedback I got. And when I say great, there's like an asterisk on it, right? Cause constructive criticism can also like just melt your soul. So the constructive criticism I got was the, the camera work wasn't the greatest. Um, there was video quality issues. There were sound quality issues. Um, it didn't flow from move to move to move. And in some cases it was gi, then it was no gi, then it went back to the gi. And 
it jumped all over the place. And so if you just try to watch it like a movie, which you shouldn't, but if you just try to watch it straight through, the coherency wasn't there. The cadence for like when you're supposed to go to the next thing wasn't there. And that's all before you even talk about the technique. So then when people start, you know, really ripping into specific things, I was, I was harping on, on a technique and they go, but why didn't you mention this thing? And I'm looking at your feet and I'm, you know, but there was a weather balloon and some swamp gas and, you know, they're trying to figure it all out. And then I go, okay, well, kind of too late to do it now, but if I ever had the chance to redo it, this is what I would do. And I always had that in the back of my mind. So when I'm out to dinner in Boston with Bernardo Faria and Mike, Michael Zenga, the, the owners and face of uh, faces of uh, BGJ Fanatics, we're sitting there, James Finizio, the guy who got Pedro um, in the door for BGJ Fanatics. We're all out to dinner, Placido Santos. It came up that, you know, oh, I had a DVD, you know, this older one. They're like, oh, we could just, if you already have it, we'll just buy it and take it from you. And I was like, I would change some things. And sure enough, I sent them the raw footage and they were like, well, it's clear we like what you have to show, but the video is not what we want. I was like, sweet. That's the perfect excuse to now reshoot it. So we did. Um, I think I scratched out 10, I want to say 10 specific moves, updated a ton of the other content really focusing on the details that I think that the uh, criticism helped me to focus on as an instructor, you know, that was four years ago and then added some newer stuff as well. So I would say it's about um, 15 to 20% new, new material, like not seen on the other material. And then the majority of the things that you might have seen before are just a new, not a new coat of paint, but a fresher look with better explanation. And then the formatting of it is better. So as I just pull up the, the format here, when you, when you go through, it's now broken into four distinct parts. And so on the first part, it's all setups from top position. And it goes through an entire sequence of top from standing to the guard while passing the guard, side control, knee on belly, mount, back. And after you finish all that in no gi, you go to bottom positions. So now you're in bottom positions, still no gi, so you're in the bottom of this, or you're defending the takedown, and now you're playing guard, or now you're playing from side control, you're playing from the neon belt, you're playing from these things. And then you get into your um, gi dependent setups. And I put all the gi stuff at the end, figuring anybody who watches this tutorial will see everything you can do sans jacket, you can do with the jacket. Yeah. But the things that you put in the kimono can only be done there because there's a gi grip or a sleeve grip or a belt grip that you're using to highlight your mechanic. Yeah. So like a Toriando style bullfighter pass when someone grabs your, your knees at the pants and tries to throw your legs to the side, they're not going to do that in no gi, right? So having all that stuff towards the end and not necessarily putting less of it, but really fine tuning the desire to say, okay, I don't want to wear the gi just because I want to wear it when it's necessary. And people will just have to infer that if it's this much material, no gi, it works whether you have a jacket or not. And if it's in the gi, you cannot do it in no gi. And that was kind of the, the part that needed to be explained. And what I liked actually most about this was 
I think the first seven videos, um, let me pull it back up, but I think the first several videos at the very least are the most important. Not the introduction, but the evolution, the good, better, best grips, defending, or sorry, defining what lock side up means, the slide through or the roll, and troubleshooting with the gator roll. So those five videos rather. I think those five videos are worth 77 bucks. If, if you're gonna pay $100 for a private lesson on the DARS with me, I'm probably gonna spend the entire hour on those five things with you. And then you're just gonna find all the other mechanics and setups on your own. But to just kind of have a blueprint for success with those you know, 50 other videos of setups, man, it, it's incredible value. You're, you're talking about what could, what could take you five years to, to work on if you do it diligently and then have an, an expert game on choking, their, choking your friends with their own arm. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely good value. And then if you, know, you wait a month or so and it goes on beat, uh, the daily deals and you're getting it for like 40 bucks or 50 bucks, it's almost like a no-brainer. Nice. But I'm, I'm super stoked. Uh, it, it, was a good, it was a good time up in Boston with Master Sour. This yielded um, a good connection with Michael Zenga and Bernardo. And then I got my foot in the door here and they have talked to me and they already want me back in for some other stuff. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Nice. Any insight on what that might be? Say again? Any insight on what you might cover? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Share, share with the class, maybe? <laughs> um, cool. All right. Listen, I love you guys. You're awesome. So, I'll share this and I'm going to also show you how, how maniacal I am. Cause you know, we talked about my notes. All right. So if you can see the time on this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So three 30 in the morning last night, I'm still fine tuning this list of material. Nice. And uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, my, uh, my particular, my particular, you know, um, downside is that I, I have OCD. I'm an obsessive compulsive person and it only comes out in very rare occasions. If I'm washing the dishes, I have to do specific things in specific way. And most people would never notice because I don't have, um, you know, these very elaborate rituals. It almost only comes down to my own personal bubble and, and my influence on my, my, my day to day. Like how I fold my shirts, the color I put them in, the, the closet and stuff like that. And when it comes to jujitsu and my organization of my, my notes and things like that, it's even worse. So I spent a better part of the last few days as, you know, um, Michael Zenga was talking to me and he was like, man, I'd love to have you back in. And I was like, well, shit, we're in a very special place here now where I'm not going to show a better leg lock system than say Gordon Ryan, John Donaher and, and that whole group. I'm not going to show say better wrestling than Henry Cejudo. Cause they also have BJJ or sorry, they also have a um, uh, wrestling fanatics. So fanatics is a, a brand and they have their striking stuff and, and everything else too. So it's like, how do I compete with some of the best people in the world for that, that block of design space where I put my stuff in and then you would have to look at it again, say a bunch of others and be like, well, why this? So when you think about it, there's really not much um, undiscovered territory in the, in the realm of grappling and no one person has all of it. 
So even with the DAR stuff, it's like, man, I've got to compete with um, not only my, my good friend and a, and a mentor to me, Jeff Glover, the, the one and only, but you know, the Rotolo twins just came out with the DARS material. Um, there's a, uh, and I can't believe I'm blanking on the name right now, but there's um, uh, uh, a European who just came out with a tutorial on the Bravo and it's all in the gi. Um, God, I want to look it up, but. I saw it the other day as well. I can't remember who it was. Since I have it here. Uh, Bucolet, uh Dinu. Yeah, and so Leo Vieira's got something. And so it's like, how do you compare when it's like finding the Darce choke from everywhere, Joel Bowie, the Darce killer, which is funny, Malachi Friedman, um, he put out a DVD on how to beat it. And we'll see. <laughs> uh, mine's a little different, right? So the reason why I feel like I can still put my name in that hat is because I don't go to the, um, the necktie, the palm to palm grip. Mm. I do a pulling mechanic with two hooks. And I also set it up with twists and turns and other little mechanics where I use my chest and my body more than my arms, which I think makes it more user-friendly to people that aren't extremely long limbed or people that are not swole, you know? So you get, you get a good mix, but to not speak too much more and be long winded on the, the answer. Yes, I have something. And I think the new design space is going to be on more of a overarching idea that can't get a name than something that is a move from a bunch of positions. Yeah. Maybe it's a bunch of little things that all add up. So the, the tutorial that I've been designing over the last few days with my, you know, repertoire of moves cycling through my head is deconstructing defense. Um, you know, how to neutralize frames and hooks from all positions, top, bottom, side, through, guard, knee shields, this, that, you know, it, it's incredible how much stuff I've, I've accumulated through the years. And I was like, man, if I just put this into a core recipe of what you're looking for and how you're either engaging, disconnecting or trapping, and then you move around or through those obstacles. And then I give the examples behind it. People will be like, oh, well, now I have more of an idea of what happens when I encounter this level of resistance. And I think that's the, that's the way to go rather than just, you know, shake a tree hard enough, a move falls out and you go, okay, now how can I look at this move from five different ways? Yeah. It's maybe a little bit more meta in a way, isn't it? It's, it's kind of connecting yeah. things sideways. Correct. And I don't mind lateral movement in design because that allows the user to then be a generalist and they can specialize how they see fit because Pete, you might be triangles, Robin, you might be arm locks and Bill, you might be chokes and that's fine. But if you all started here, you can then, you know, generalize before specializing. And I'm just trying to build that better baseline for folks We've said this before, haven't we, Pete, about the, the, the strength training thing, you know, the, 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 the breadth of the, the base of the pyramid, the, the, the wider you make that, the higher the peak can be. Yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. So, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm currently thinking about. And I, I have to boil it down to the mechanics I want to show and what I think are going to be, you know, the, the, the freshest take, the 2021 version of a move. 
and then I've also got to script it out because I don't think most people realize it's not like I, I put on my suit and tie, I go to the office and then I just sit behind the keyboard and hit my monotonous motion through doing jujitsu. I have to really go and think about every single move and what I would say, script all of that out and write it down and then practice and rehearse and rehearse because I can do the move all day, but if I had to teach it, it's a completely different animal when I have to, you know, assign either a geometric shape, a cardinal direction, or, you know, some other kind of uh, verbal cue or visual cue to let someone who's watching it at home on their device, pick up the exact detail I want them to pick up. It's tough. Yeah. 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 That. How long roughly does it take you to actually film the stuff compared, you know, if it comes down to like an hour worth of content, how many hours are you, are you in the studio? So that's after it, it's planned, of course. This might sound unrealistic, but uh, Mike Horhan can verify and so could Chris Schindler. This entire last DVD, I think ended up being uh, between an hour and a half and two hours of solid just video, solid video. No fluff, no long-winded speeches, just just in and out. And we filmed the whole thing in under five hours and we only did one retake. Wow. Yeah. And the retake was because I had to cough. <laughs> and you get that one. And, and you know, what's funny is it was like so late in the day that even Mike was like, he, he hit the camera. He looks at me and he goes, that's our first retake. And he's like almost confused. And once again, I need to, I need to highlight the fact that this is mostly um, explored, explored territory, right? It's, it's a material that I'm really familiar with. I had filmed a lot of it in the past. But now I'm just highlighting very specific portions of these things that I'm polished, uh, I'm po uh, that are polished now, and trying to explain them again. And then even with the new stuff, a lot of the newer stuff, like right before COVID hit, I was showing it at seminars, so I had, you know, practiced the delivery on on that. So it's kind of like a greatest hits. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fail. It, it's I don't know. You you pick a, a national song that comes on the comes on at the pub. And then all of a sudden everyone breaks out in the song. You're not going to forget those lyrics, even if it's been a year since you heard it. So um, I was very fortunate in that it was so prepared that we could go in and do it like that. If it's this new stuff, man, it might take two days. It might take um, a six hour session on one day and a six hour session on the next, because with master sour, you know, it as well as I do, his moves are super polished. But just getting them into the format and remembering a string of how to tie it all together, there was so much downtime in between every individual take that for every, I would say, minute to minute to four minutes of filming, there was probably 20 minutes of let's rep it out, let's get the angles and look at the camera and see what we want to do, and then you set it up. Yeah, sure. So um, the... 16th president of the US, uh, Abraham Lincoln, he had this very famous quote that's where he said, if I had six hours, go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. He doesn't want to miss the quote. <laughs> oh, I've got it on a mug. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Is it, uh, so, if you can see. I, hold on. There we go. Yeah. Let me, let me see here. Uh, 
I don't know why yours isn't. I don't know why mine isn't bigger. Uh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there it is. Yeah, give me six hours to chop a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. Yep, exactly. Perfect. And, you know, I still adhere to that. I think, I think preparedness is, is wonderful and just going in and having things in a row makes everything simpler. So if I really practice this stuff, I, I think I can get it down to maybe a long 10 hour day as opposed to like two eight hour days or two six hour days, but we'll see. It, it's a process. And um, Master Sauer, he, he was in Boston for two and a half days to film those two things. And he knows his stuff. And it was still like, the one day was solid go. And then the next, or the first day and a half were solid go. And then the last day we were like, oh, we have all this extra time. Maybe we can do something else. And we thought we could do the, the mount tutorial stuff because he had done his mount, um, uh, the, the path to black belt series where he did brown belts, uh, mastering the mount. That's like a 20 year old video. How much stuff has he changed in like 20 years? So we got to the very first video on the old DVD, which was killing the grapevines, and we never did it. <laughs> we, we put the DVD in, we watched his first scene, and we were going to go scene for scene, and he was like, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> and we just chucked it and did all new stuff, and it's brilliant. Um, and that's the, that's the kind of stuff that is, you know, I'm grateful that I was at ground zero for that because there are going to be people that watch the new thing or – they own the old one and they're like, ah, cool. Well, I guess I don't need this. No, you need it. You need it like today because it's, it's the, the new and evolved version of it. So just going back to my thing, it's, there's a reason why the original one was bringing back the Bravo. And now this one is the Bravo Darce evolution. It's like, what is it? What, what isn't it? I think what killed me on my, my first set of DVD sales was a lot of people are like, I don't know what a Bravo is. I don't want to know where the Bravo is. Man, can you teach me how to Darce? And it's like, freaking thing. But nomenclature does matter. And so if people see where something comes from and what it is, and then they kind of get that in between, and then they can forecast where it's going to be in like five more years, now you have something that's a little bit more digestible as a, as a student. And I'm all about getting that reach now. I want more people to see it. And I want more people to get good at it so that it's not, you know, and, and this isn't a dig at Joe Rogan, but uh, it is. And he'll call everything a Darce. And I, I understand he's a black belt in 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu and Ernie Bravo, and he knows his stuff. I also understand that he's sitting ringside and either looking through a, a, like a teleprompter or he's kind of looking across a map. And so he doesn't get the best visual on, on the movement. So it's not really blaming him, but there is a strict difference between an anaconda choke and a Darce choke versus an arm in, uh, or sorry, an arm in guillotine versus a arm triangle versus an inverted arm triangle. And if you don't know the difference, you're just going to get it all muddled and you're going to forget where pressures go. And if it's with your chest or with your elbow or so I'm trying to demystify the confusion. Sounds good. And if, if people haven't already <clears throat> had the first DVD, which obviously, which, you know, which we've got, um, they definitely need to go and get this and check it out. Um, Cause I mean, I just, I literally, I haven't been through um, more than, I mean, it's a bit like you were saying, I haven't been through more than kind of like the first five, six moves and just still trying to work on getting that right. And okay. Yeah. Okay. That here. And then 
you know, doing it with someone else and going, okay, tell me how this feels and then getting them to do it to me. And then, you know, and then one of our guys, Sean, has particularly taken it on, hasn't he? Taking it to heart. And he's literally with the first three movements become a killer with it, just with the first three movements. So it's worth the money just for the first, you know, first five bits. And, and that's kind of where my head is at. If people, if people have a short attention span or you just don't have the ability to go through that deep dive on all of it, if you get through the first five, it should be enough to feed you. And I want that effect. I want people to be like, cool, I have this. It will serve me well. And I'm sitting on a gold mine whenever I want to get to it. And the rest is just there in your back pocket. Now, um, my good friend, Drew Foster, who's from the Carolinas, um, he's like my Bravo brother, my Dars dude. He, um, he, he's really big into it. And he got the first one. And, and actually, when I was uh, talking to you guys on the Lockdown Chronicles the first time, I had said the first DVD was a, a, a trash fire in terms of production. I filmed it three separate times before it made it to the market. Um, and he was actually the original Uke in the first filming. And then it just the material got corrupted files got lost it was it was it was a shit show so you know he he's like ride or die with me on whether this material works and he's big on reddit and he's in all the sub forums and talking about it and he's like I don't, I don't know if you guys are big into like uh 1990s american rap music but <laughs> he's like the hype man for my public enemy my public enemy group. He was a uh, flavor Flav to my uh, public enemy, you know? Nice. So big watch, big clock. Hell yeah. yeah you got it. <laughs> so, I'm I great. did say clock, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, there, there are people out there that are going to go deep into it. And he's one of them. Um, there's a ton of others and I, I could see it really helping, you know, 5% of the people who, who buy it that are just going to be that specialism. Whereas I think 95% of people are just going to be like, holy crap, I just got a new, like maybe one or two good tricks out of it. And that's good enough for them. Um, I can't tell you how many arm bars I've learned through the years. And I use three, you know, and that's good. That's good for me. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I really, I'm really excited for the future of jujitsu. I think where the leg lock game is right now, it's, it's incredible to watch it finally come up to a level that it should have been at for years and how much better it's becoming because these specialists are popping up everywhere. And I, and I'm grateful for it. I do wish that there was more universal nomenclature so that we're not all getting confused. Um, you know, why are we going to use a Japanese term to describe our Brazilian jujitsu sport in English? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I love to use, Words I don't understand. It makes me sound more Ashigarami. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I was just about to say exactly that. It's just to make it sound more mystical, isn't it? And it's it's to create this, yeah, confu- almost intentional confusion around it. Why did you guys decide on jujitsu and not um, Tang Sudo? I could say jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just like, no way I'm spelling Tang Sudo. <laughs> Why not karate? Why not kung fu? Uh, for me, I just didn't want to. It wasn't. It was no strikes, so it was, it was grappling. And and I, you know, from what I'd read, it was more of a case of 
most fights will end up on the ground. So that's what I wanted to, to try and understand more. Okay, I'm not going to turn it to Socrates, but why not wrestling? Wrestling's not big over here. There's, okay. there's, you know, it's, it's just doesn't really exist. Well, I mean, I'm not going to downplay jiu-jitsu in the UK, but compared to like the rest of compared to the rest of uh, of Europe, I don't think jiu-jitsu is as big in the UK as it could be in like other areas. You know? I'll give you a funny story. So I grew up in the 80s and when we think of wrestling, we think of uh, two characters. One was Giant Haystacks and the other was Big Daddy. And it, it will never ever uh, it, you know, leave my mind. So no, that, whenever you say wrestling, it's just a no-no. <laughs> Well, Sunday afternoon, swinging handbags is wrestling. And uh, yeah, it's worse worse than the WWE, so no. <laughs> okay. So I think you're yeah. missing your question a little bit, Bill. <laughs> yeah, but the, the point but no, of- it's, it's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a yeah. cultural thing. So wrestling, you know, for, for us in the UK, wrestling, there isn't the sport of wrestling, you know, real like ACA wrestling. It's, um, it, it's, it's the fiction of the WWE. And if you're old enough, like I am, you remember the, the dodgy shows on the Sunday afternoon, you know, on the TV, which was Giant Haystacks and Big Daddy. So it's just a cultural thing. But so, until, until, what, 15 years ago, maybe 20, 20 years ago, martial arts in the UK was dominated by Olympic judo and karate. And karate. Okay. So let's use judo. Why not judo? I've done it. Got the black belt. <laughs> no, but, I, but I, mean, I, Bill, I trained. I trained judo for the longest time when I was. But a little kid. but but to Bill, you know, why not judo? Why why jujitsu? Um, again, just the growing up thing. I don't know. I, judo was it's like an old thing rather than jujitsu seemed a little bit new and exciting. Okay. Plus, a friend was training jujitsu, and it was that you know, go along with the friend and uh, and and give it a go. And I've never looked well, back. Listen, I, there's no judgment here. I'm just, I'm just trying to dig because I think at some point or another, all of us have either gone to fisticuffs in school or, you know, we, we've been in a situation where we tussle with a friend, even if it's friendly in the living room. And at one point you realize the stuff you see in the movies or the stuff you saw in cartoons doesn't work. And when you got to your first jujitsu class, that efficiency smacks you in the face like a golden brick and yep. next thing you know you're like oh crap this is legit and i don't ever want to lose that and i think the problem that we have is sometimes we we think like uh, a thing is as good as it'll ever get but you know I, I can't remember if i said this the last time but if the model t that was invented by ford you know in the early 1900s were perfect we'd still be driving it instead we're we're you know We've got cyber trucks coming out by Tesla in the next year. And, I, you know, I'm glad I've got my ticket to reserve one. And I want to be in a cool truck that can run through walls. Not that I'm going to. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's that efficiency. We, we know the wheel is a good shape. We want to transport things on the wheel, but we can definitely improve the design. Yeah. And jujitsu is still evolving. And I think the bigger problem with like judo, karate, and a lot of other, a lot of other martial arts is they're so strict on adherence to the way that things were taught a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And 
you have to do this move this way. And this is the textbook on all things judo. And when you introduce something new, they ban it. So like high caliber wrestlers started getting into judo and doing fireman's carries and single legs and double leg takedowns. And next thing you know, they're like, Hey, you cannot touch the legs with your hands. You cannot do this. Um, you know, everything has its place. I, I respect judo and I, and I do dabble from time to time. And I can, if, if you said, you know, Oichigari and this and Kataguruma, like I mentioned the fireman's carry, like I know the movements, Kani Basami, you know, flying leg scissor takedown. I, I understand the things that I do and how they came from these roots, but there's better ways of doing them now. And if you, if you pigeonhole yourself into, no, you can only adhere to the, the Kodakon scripted way of doing it, you're going to end up as a time capsule. Um, those things were big in the States in the 80s. Like you, you, your school class would get together and you'd put a bunch of knickknacks in this little thing. You'd bury it in the ground. You'd come back 10, 20 years later, dig it up and look at how stupid you were. Um, and that's now, what- Now we've we, got Facebook instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ultimate time capsule. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I go on Facebook and it's like 14 years ago, you were pole dancing for money, Dave. <laughs> Great. Um, changes, I. I don't regret it. <laughs> so there's uh there there there's a lot to be there's a lot to be desired in terms of like improving improving for the right reasons, like improving yeah. improving for efficiency versus I'm gonna change something to look cool. Jiu-jitsu still has to be efficient. That's why we all got into it. And that's why we love, love it. Mm. And if you're just passing a gimmick, no one's going to care. They'll see right through that bullshit in a second. So I think my, my material is going to stand up against the other folks in that, in that uh, pantheon of people who have shared their material, because it's not different for different sake. It's different because it's changed. It's, it's something that can work for any body type and the other stuff isn't bad. You know, I, I, I'm not going to discount Glover, man. Like that's the, uh, that's the gold standard for the Darce material, but the same reason, like when he came to Bellingham BJJ, my school in Washington, when I, when I, um, you know, co-ran it with Jeff Shaw, when he came out to Bellingham and he was fielding questions, he straight up was like, okay, I taught an entire seminar on deep half guard. Anybody have any questions? So people started asking some half guard questions and he's like, all right, now I'm going to open it up for any questions you want, not related to deep half. Then he looks at me and he looks back at the crowd and he's like, aside from the Dars. <laughs> and it's like, my hero is telling my, you know, people from the entire like Pacific Northwest of the States and, and Canada who came to that seminar. And he's saying it in front of this large audience that he has enough respect for the way I do it to not try to like step on my toes because he understands like there are going to be students there that, he might say something to that will completely take his way as scripture, even if I'm the one who's going to ultimately like lead them along the path yeah. and there might be a slight difference or deviation. So, you know, say what you want about, about Jeff as like, a, like a personality, man, the guy, the guy is full of personality, but he knows so much about the grappling game and he just feels it and he knows it. And he, he also understands like, his way isn't the only way. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful that the vibe is we can all do our own way and it'll work for a, a, a large group of people. 
with regards to you guys, like, what are you excited about working on when lockdown lifts? What are you guys going to do first? Touch each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm easy. You choke me, do what you want to me, but as long as we can touch each other, that would be great. Yeah. So are you using grappling dummies right now? Like, how does it work when you're teaching these classes? Are you just... just... Bill. <laughs> <laughs> my God. We've, uh, we've all got... I know my place. <laughs> we've all got, like, different situations that we're in, aren't we? So, like, so Robin, obviously, and Claire are doing, like, when they're... Yeah, you know, when Robin's teaching class, he's got Claire helping out as the body and demonstrating and, and being the body. If I'm teaching, like with the kids, I haven't got anyone, so I'm using a grappling dummy. Sad music. Um, and Billy's got Billy's helping me with the kids' class as well because he's got his two boys who are the. Yeah, I'm just constantly feeding my eldest because he's grow. He's still turning food into height um, <laughs> instead of you know girth. So uh, yeah, I keep feeding him in the hope that he'll be big enough for me to train. You know harder and faster with he's he's getting there. question on that how much did he grow since covid uh uh hit hit your area uh so was he a year ago i could check but oh he's only well what we know he's 10 years old so he was about five foot a year ago he's probably he's nearly as tall as his mum no he's, his, his mum's five four so he's about five foot at the moment he was you know two three inches shorter than that since covid yeah, that's that's a lot in a year. Wow, awesome! It's really crazy as well because I don't I see them on camera. I see all the kids on camera, and then when we get these little breaks where we can see them back in face to face again, socially distance face to face, yeah, socially distance face to face. The kids class walk in, and I'm like, "When did you lot tell us?" Yeah, you? Yeah, I probably shouldn't say this, but he's getting he's getting a lot more resilient. Um, but on Thursday's class when Pete wasn't watching, we, we were properly like messing around sparring on the floor and I put him in side control and I did full on, full side control. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not tapping. <laughs> and I, I actually moved, you know, I got bored. <laughs> I mean, Bill says I wasn't watching, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Pete was there laughing. Aaron, do this, Aaron, yeah. do that. <laughs> Pete was taking bets on Facebook at that point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be long before they're terrorising me. And that's the truth. Right. You know what? Back to the, for me, it's going to be go back through all the fundamentals again. Go back okay. right to blue. Start back at lesson one, right? Yeah, warm up with that. And let's get going with that again before I even think about doing anything else, I think. Well, we've had this conversation quite a few times, Pete, and this, this was kind of without COVID as well, wasn't it? We, we just do the basics over and over again yeah our, our games are, are particularly non-flashy yeah <laughs> uh i think there's just I, I think there's a certain level of flash in doing the basics well i, I so try <laughs> if, if, if i do if i do like the um the knee drive from the guard pass like the, the i break the guard from from the knees you know you had me in your closed guard i break it and mm -hmm. i do that cleanly and I just do it with a hip turn versus like my elbows or my hands or anything like that. Yep. That looks beautiful. Yeah. And then if I, that's what then, I'm for, yeah. and then if I then, you know, just kind of rock my back leg in as I move my, my front leg forward and I, my whole body just moves like the sea. And then I 
staple the leg, put pressure down, windshield wiper my feet, keep the hooks active. That's white to blue curriculum. But man, if you do it well, people are going to notice. Yeah. So, you know, say what you will. I think there's, I think there's a level of elegance and just mastery of the basics. That's what I'm trying for. Good. Keep at it. That's all you can hope for. Me too. But as you as you said earlier, like there's that kind of that kind of baseline, and all of us, you know, obviously including yourself, but particularly us three, you know, that's kind of what we've done loads of. But if each one of us has got a slightly different, slightly different peak, you know. Yeah, and that's fine. But water will find its lowest point. So if you if one of you has a really big discrepancy, it's the other two should see it immediately. Yeah. yeah. But again, Pete and I said that before because we, we, we spent so much time training together that everything that he does and the thing that I do is because of the other one. That makes sense. You know, so he gets good at something. I have to get good at defending it. He then gets good at defending that or, or moving on from that, you know? It's not did, that yin and yang kind of thing, you know? Did I, did I on the last uh, chat talk about uh, a black belt by the name of John Reeves? Not that I remember. Okay. So John Reeves came up with me. And when I came to, uh, when, when I got out of the military and I moved to Northern Virginia, I went to Professor Sowers. And one of the first guys I met was this guy, John Reeves. And he was uh, same rank as me at the time, uh, Purple Belt. He's, I think, a year older than me or, you know, same age, um, relatively the same body uh, dimensions and weight. My arms are slightly longer because I'm built like an orangutan, but, uh, you know, a really good training partner for me because skill level, age, body weight, you got it, right? Except I favored chokes and leg locks and he favored arm locks. And man, oh man, did his leg locks and his chokes get good. And man, oh man, did my arm locks improve. And it was awesome because as I'm, you know, hitting the things I'm good at, he's improving in those areas and his defense gets better. And then I have to improve even more. And Conversely, you know, I had to get really savvy with arm locks. I think thanks to John, most of my arm, my, well, most of my arm lock losses kind of cumulatively stopped around 2014 because he was just arm locking me savagely every day for, you know, years. And then after that, it's like, well, unless somebody else is going to have something that's superior to what I'm dealing with every day from this killer at least as I'm going through the ranks, you know, purple, brown, then black, it's, it's not going to really scare me. I have that sensitivity. So you guys are in a, a very good situation where you have, uh, you have each other to work with and you have different skills. So it's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely works well. Definitely works well. I think what I'm conscious of, what I've been conscious of more of the last couple of years as well is just um, that we are, we're not old by any stretch of the imagination. Well, they're not. I might be. <laughs> um, and so, as well, when we go back, we talked about this about like, when we first go back is just not just for us, but for everyone else is like taking it really slow so that people don't get hurt because they're going to be so crazy to get back on the mat and so excited to roll with each other that we're like, how do we feed this back in slowly? You know, without them, without, without, you know, the people that are left in the club breaking each other on the first night um well well in terms of in terms of direction you can you can at least set a standard for say 
All right, so first night back, we're gonna do a lot of positional sparring where we have a scripted beginning and a scripted end. Yeah. And when you take the variance out, people will still feel like they worked. There's still that sense of achievement and, and accomplishment rather and, and the physicality that you were talking about, Robin, where you actually get to engage. Mm. But you can mitigate some of the risk of like pulled muscles and other things that would happen if people just try to go like hit the ground running. Um, maybe you do that for a few weeks and people will be grateful just for anything at that point. So I don't think it's going to matter when I'm down here in the basement and I'm doing my, um, my little small group classes, we hardly ever have more than two people rolling at a time. And when they do, it's minute, maybe two. And if we see things kind of getting heated up, granted it's three, three black belts, two purple belts and a, and a two blue belts. So it's, it's not like people don't know what they're doing. We're not, we're not teaching new practitioners how to grapple. Um, it's, it's a really nice environment. We can kind of get out of the way. We have some people spectating, making sure no one's running out of bounds and things start getting heated. Like I said, we just go, hey, man, you know you shouldn't go there. Call them out on it. And it's big boy rules. They get it. And, um, you know, uh, no, one, no one wants to see me come out of retirement. So... They're, they're very happy to see me kind of at like, you know, 40%, like just having fun. We're kind of worried about the, um, obviously it might not have been such a problem over there for you guys, but we're also worried about, or worried is the wrong word, but how we get over that thing of people are going to find it really weird to have physical contact again. Yeah. After not having a year, you're going to get, and again, we can just ease people in, but the idea of literally joking aside, touching each other after a year of, no, you stand two meters away. You know. Bear in mind, Dave, that like if in the UK at the moment, you're like I'm allowed to. I'm in theory allowed to touch the people in my household. That's it. I'm not supposed to even hug my parents. I don't anyway because I'm I'm a bit of a bit strange like that. But I'd like to be able to. Yeah, if I wanted to. Yeah, still have the choice, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still wouldn't, but. <laughs> well, so yeah people people are only like say you you live in a house out of five maybe you know four three other people that's all you've had contact with in the last year that's yeah wild. yeah pete pete is with, with his girlfriend that's, that's one <laughs> you know that that's i think that's something to come back from so so let me ask how is the shopping situation if you needed groceries if you they're, they're open um they're you're you're supposed to wear masks they're supposed okay. to keep um they're supposed to keep a a rough head count of how many people in the shop at different points in in the in proceedings they used to kind of have you queue outside and you'd be queuing at one point for like an hour outside to get in but that was only quite short-lived relatively but you're supposed to stay away from each other you're supposed to have your social distancing they're supposed to have one-way systems but they've all seemed to take those out but you, you're not supposed to get close to people you know um People are... But, but, but people bear in mind, Dave, only essential shops are currently open. Yeah. People have been affected by it. You, know, you, you walk into a shop where there's already people there and, and just opening the door and you appear in, they're like backing away, you know. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's a strange one. But I'm going to break down all those barriers by just going and hugging everyone. <laughs> and then you're going to be like... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, so you, you all remember, um, 
when I was in Iceland, I brought my, my girlfriend, Madeline, and uh, her grandfather just passed away from COVID. He, he had such a fast turnaround from when he got it to when his uh, oxygen saturation went super low. And then we got the call that he was moved to hospice. And then within uh, 12 hours of that, he passed. And wow. it's, it's hard for me as someone who went through it, had such mild symptoms, didn't even take anything other than like, a, we have like the phone in uh, doctor service where you basically like, you know, open your mouth for the camera and like you talk to your doctor and then they prescribe you something if they need it or they send you um, to the hospital. But, you know, I did the, the doc in the box and all they did was pre COVID when no one knew what it was, he thought I had like a upper respiratory infection or possibly pneumonia with a cough. And so he prescribed me antibiotics. That's, that's not how you do this, you know, like, but at that time, you know, I had the cough, I had some weird symptoms. And so I got kind of misdiagnosed it, but I came through it. I'm also at that time, uh, you know, 37 when that happened. And so fit, not in the age group that's at most risk, don't yeah. have any um, uh, pre-existing medical conditions that would make it harder for me. And so I bounced through it, no problem. And then, you know, Madeline's grandfather, 90 year old man, um, not that he was in bad shape, but he's just not fit. And so it, it, it's weird how, to me, there are still people that are denying it and think in the States, like, ah, oh, it's some conspiracy theory. And I don't want to get political um, with you, with you all about what's happening here, but man, you guys probably have a good laugh when, uh, when we hit, when we hit stop on this, there are so many things that I, I just want to like throttle people and like choke them for real because there are tournaments going on in the States right now, grappling tournaments. And it, it, it's like reprehensible to think that there are folks who are just like in such denial that they're willing to get together and jeopardize even if you are a physically fit competitor and you're like, well, I'll bounce back. Well, now you're a carrier and you might just kill somebody else's grandpa, grandpa. Like where Madeline's uh, grandparents were was um, assisted living. They didn't leave. That means somebody brought it in. Yeah. It's, you know, it's that whole like adage, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Um, you can't think of the device as dangerous. And this is a hot topic in the States too, because everyone's all like, oh, don't take my guns. Like, what will I be without my guns? It's like, you'll still be a person that can probably pick up a rock and kill somebody. But, you know. Just a little bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just have to really mean it. Which also, it now, now that I said that, makes me think, if guns don't kill people, people kill people, then does that mean that toasters don't toast, 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 toast? <laughs> no people toast toast <laughs> but you know like there are tournaments happening in the states i've got a lot of problems with it um i don't think that you know if you if you want to train like a small group of people and you know that this same group of people are in your you know neighborhood and they're working from home and they have limited contact and everyone's gone through their you know bi-weekly whatever swabs or whatever nasal test or you know you're all being practical and smart about it. You're mitigating the risk and you want to get together like I'm doing here in my basement, you know, do it. I, I see nothing wrong with that. If it's a bunch of intelligent people who are doing the right things and getting together now control 300 people in a building, do that. 
you show me a time in history where you can make sure that there is no variance across a hundred people and I'll call bullshit. So the fact that there are tournaments in the States is really upsetting, but I don't, I don't want people to stop doing jujitsu either. It's like, man, you can do what you can, whether it's with a girlfriend or, you know, your kids or whoever, just keep doing it, but be smart about it. Have a small group, people you trust, people who are either tested or, you know, through proximity that you're, you're safe and do it. Um, I'm not going to tell people not to wear a mask when they train or if you're cohabitating with somebody or you're with the same group all the time and you know, you're not like, going out to the movie theaters with no mask on, you know, there's no way to do it. You're probably fine, but it's these deniers who don't wear the masks everywhere they go until they get yelled at and kicked out of the store. And then there are YouTube video. Um, they're ruining it for everybody. It's like, man, do you guys remember when it was like, Hey, for one month, we're just all going to stay inside one month. It's been a year. It's wild. It's wild. It's crazy, and yeah, and I, I think I'm, since having it, I think because I got it as well, I think I'm even more. You know, I'm probably just as cautious or more cautious. And I'd been really cautious, and I just happened to get really unlucky. And I think I caught it in a in a shop posting a package, you know. And I, I think I was just in there, you know, too long, and someone had it, and I just happened to get it because I haven't really been anywhere else. Um, but I'm, you know, again, like you're saying, just behaving responsibly. So I, I you know, as soon as I knew or had a proper inkling, I isolated. And for as far as I know, I didn't, you know, pass it on to anyone else and we broke the chain. And all right, both of us were sick and we weren't great. And we were pretty ill for a few, you know, for a week or, or two. But yeah, like you say, it's just that responsible behavior and keeping your circle small. And I think over here though, it's, it might be a little bit different to the States because obviously the way you're talking about it, it kind of makes sense, Dave. You know, it's kind of like, it's that, it's, it's a little bit of personal responsibility. It's making sure you do, do the right thing. You know, take, you know, a little bit of, when there's a little bit of wiggle room on the edge, you, you, you make your own choices. Over here, it, to me at least, it does feel a little bit like they're, they're infantilizing, if I can even say the word, people, you know? Yeah, I get like it. The fact that you can't, you're not supposed to hug your grandpa, your, your parents, that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's almost like a little bit too, too much, you know? Do you, uh, when, when you do a shop, do you provide your own bags? Uh, yeah. yeah, generally. Because okay. I, 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 I can collect because I can't bother to walk around the shop. Okay. They get brand new ones and they come and do them. I'm just trying to figure out because it's like, there's, um, there's a, a famous uh, Frenchman who is the father of forensics. His name was Locard. And he ended up making a rule that was called Locard's Principle. Yeah. And it, it goes, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's like every contact leaves its trace. So yep. as, a, as a child growing up with uh, um, CSI, the show, Crime Scene Investigations, you know, I grew up and I thought that I was going to go into criminal justice. And so when I went to college, my initial degree program at, at the university was uh, criminal justice. And I could have sworn as a young 18 year old man that I was just going to walk in on crime scenes and there would just be semen everywhere. Like get like, the black light out. So the way, the way, these shows, <laughs> sorry, the way these shows are described, you just think it's going to be like 
blood and semen just everywhere, right? Is it not? <laughs> My house? <laughs> um, but the, 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 issue, the issue really comes down to, um, you know, there, there's going to be, you know, fluid trace, this kind of trace, that kind of trace, hair follicles, this. Man, there, there's tons of crap everywhere. Now, the original data that was out on COVID was like one cough can travel like three shopping aisles. And it's like, okay, with favorable wind conditions, you can putt from the rough and make it to the green. You know, like you, you're talking about like this small speck of, an, of a chance of something. Yep. You can't mitigate all risk. Did you get out of bed this morning? Guess what? Even if you didn't, you could still die. So there, there's a level of still taking, taking something seriously without overreacting. And I think that the bigger problem is some people overreact to a reaction and then they over, and they don't even realize they're the problem. So it's like, hey, wear a mask when you go outside. How dare you get involved in my rights and this and that. It's like, man, you know, just, just wear a freaking mask. Um, don't, don't hug your grandparents. Oh, no, you're saying like, that's, you know, like there, there's levels to it. And I, I wish I could say that it's a common sense thing, but it's not, it's, I guess there's a lack of that. That's the problem. Yeah. And man, I don't want to talk about too many current events, but are, are you guys keeping track with um, the Robin hood app and that whole debacle? Ish. Okay. So I'm going to mention my, uh, my adopted little brother for a second. And if he watches this, he'll forgive me in like 10 years. But, you know, two nights ago, he sends me a message for the first time in like a month. And it's just, hey, here's my coupon code to Robinhood app. If you sign up, we both get one free stock of a random type and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Dan, thanks. I'm going to bed. It's one in the morning. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and I just kind of like laugh it off. He was one of the few that got in the craze on like uh, on the GameStop uh, uh, trades really early. And so my little brother is probably going to be a big winner on this and, and good for him. You know, like he, he's been kind of rubbing it in over the last like 24, 36 hours that I didn't act when I could have at one in the morning when he sent me that link. And I'm like, yeah, you know, there's opportunity cost, but then there's also, you know, taking a little bit more responsibility and saying, do I want to throw away my money on a potential bet versus do I really want to make sure I push my agenda on my, my tutorial that I know I put the hard work in and that's mine. Like I'm not rolling the die or, or you know, putting, putting the ball in the roulette uh, wheel. I'm, I'm taking a little bit more ownership of my action as opposed to, yeah, I, I heard some good things on the interwebs. Let me follow suit with a bunch of other knuckleheads and, you know, get involved in this. And I, sh I say knuckleheads and I, I should take it back. You know, good on those folks that made their money. Do it again. You know, yeah. do it three times. Make, make me feel like this wasn't just some crazy uh, trend, right? But it, it's weird how those false positives give confidence to the wrong folk. And this is classic white belt error. They open the guard with their elbows one time on another white belt and they think that's how it should always be done. And then when you tell them not to, because you know, some per blue or purple belt's going to make them pay for it. And then they keep doing it. They keep doing it. And then they pay for it. And then they go, huh, that's weird. But now they have so many reps doing it wrong 
that it's going to take too long to correct. Yeah. They have so many false positives. Well, at what point did somebody have bad science early and corrupt somebody's idea of what we should be looking out for? And those people freaked out. Then you have somebody who goes out without a mask one time, doesn't get deathly sick and put on a ventilator. And now they're just a denier. They're like, well, it can't possibly happen. It didn't happen in this one time. Man, it, it's looking at the entire picture saying, is it worth the risk? Do I want to go ahead and do this? What kind of person am I if I do? And just being a freaking adult. But it's like, man, that's such a hard ask. Basically. Yeah. But, you know, just changing your slightly. Um, not talking about like what, what you're going to do when, when bans and restrictions and stuff lift. What non-jujitsu related things are you guys up to to kind of keep sanity? Uh, when, I, when I found something, I'll let you know. <laughs> rowing. Kind of. Oh, yeah. Bill's rowing. I'm kind of up to a, a land's end to John O'Groat's distance challenge, and I'm rowing, rowing, rowing until I've got it done. Bill, you've got to give Dave some context on what land's end to John O'Groat's. Uh, uh, yeah, distance. So uh, southwest of the UK, furthest point to the furthest northeast. Uh, so just over a thousand miles. Um, and, and split over how much time? I've signed up to do it within a year, but I've done nine percent in January. So it's going to take ten months. A year. Ten months, nearly. Wow, <coughs> that's incredible, Bill. Um, what's what's your recovery like? Like how how often a day do you do it? What do you do for like building yourself back up when you feel broken down, and then. I, I mean, not to jinx it, but you, you're doing physical contact. So there's going to be a potential for failure just on the, the basis that the human body can only endure so much. Like what's your, what's your level of preparedness going into this challenge? And what are you doing to kind of handle it right now? There was no preparedness going in. It was just something to keep me moving and to stay sane. But um, no, it started slow. So it was just like 5K rows. So 20, 24 minute rows. But every time I get on now, which is every other day, it's 45, 48 minutes. Um, every now and again, I'll do a little bit longer just to see what that feels like. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, not, it's not easy, but it's, um, it's strange actually, because all of the time that I'm rowing, and that is quite a long time just to be going backwards and forwards on, a, on the spot. I'm thinking this is going to be good for my like open hand grips, you know, just just in the collar and little things like that as I'm as I'm doing it. And I'm thinking, yeah, all the more rowing I'm doing, I'm going to get smaller, so I'm going to be more, you know, like hip escapes and things, you know. So even though I'm doing something completely different, for me there's still that element of it. it it's going to make me better for when I do get back on the mats, and I'm going to have a lot more cardio. I'm going to be fitter. I'm going to be, you know, stronger. So yeah. Man, that's impressive. And so you started this month, mm -hmm. you're 9%, you're doing it every other day. Mm -hmm. You're on track to finish in 10 months. Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what is the, I guess the, the, uh, it's just the accomplishment of knowing you did it, this thing, there, there's no, there's no actual physical award. No, you get a little medal that comes through the post once hey, you Hey, that's pretty legit. Yeah. Um, um, 
they plant a few trees for you along the way. Um, but no, it's for me, it's just that it, it, without that, if I have a bad day, I wouldn't get on the rowing machine. So with that little uh, goal, it just keeps me going, keeps me, keeps me motivated. Well, let me, let me share this. And this is a funny story and segue. The only thing I've gotten in the mail recently in terms of uh, medals or accomplishments, I don't know if you'll be able to see this well, but um, this uh, fake belt here, it's from the Lemons Rally. So now let me explain. A lemon, I don't know if you use the same vernacular, but we're describing like a shitty car. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the Le Mans Rally is a famous you know, cross-country adventure that's for technical drivers and co-pilots. And, you know, it's arduous and you need really good equipment. This is not any of that. Like anybody can sign up and your car has to be worth a total value of less than 800 bucks. So you take a shitty car and you go to Chicago, Illinois, like uh, Jeff Curran's spot in the, uh, the middle of America, and you go on what's um, a historic route called Route 66. And you probably see it in movies, whatever. But you go south through, uh, south through Illinois, hit Missouri, keep going till you hit Oklahoma. Then you hit the top of Texas. Then you start going west. And now you're going all the way through to, uh, uh, let's see, top of Texas, then New Mexico, Arizona, or sorry. Uh, yeah, New Mexico, Arizona, then California. Then you hit the Pacific uh, Ocean. And it's 2,700 miles and you do it in six days. And along the way you have anywhere from, you know, um, I think it's either 10 to 12 stops a day. And you have to get out of your car and take a picture of this, this landmark to show that you, you hit your waypoints and you, you have now accomplished the lemons rally. If your car makes it to the finish line and the end goal is to get to the Santa Monica pier in California park your car in their parking lot, take the keys to the car, throw the keys in the ocean, leave the <laughs> shitty car and get on a flight and come home. And teams do this. There were 17 teams that did this from October 25th through to October 31st. And it ended on Halloween. The, uh, the car that I ended up driving, and I am not embarrassed to say this in the slightest, <laughs> was a beat up um was a beat up uh subaru uh subaru outback that we decided that we were going to dress up german my, my buddy and i we were going to dress up and we were going to do it and i don't know if this will come out well yeah, yeah. looks like the ghost ghostbusters yeah oh it is it totally <laughs> is Com complete with uh complete with a, a child's uh, stuffed green donkey that we actually put a ball gag on because, you know, we got to make it adult. <laughs> um, we, we were horrible. We were absolutely horrible. So we, we did this entire rally in this, this beat up Subaru Outback. And, um, you know, I, I've got a million stories from that trip. But we get through it and they, they rate you based on either how many waypoints you hit, how many bonus waypoints you hit, um, you get style points based on how crappy your vehicle, how good your costumes were on the final day for Halloween, how um, 
if you did roadside repairs on your own, like that's worth points because you're in crap vehicles. So they expect things to fall off. And then you have uh, random acts of stupidity points. So my teammate and I, we didn't come in first, second, or third out of 17 teams. What that belt was for was random acts of stupidity. So we won that award. And the best part is the belt actually says it underneath. It says random acts of stupidity. And our name wasn't Ghostbusters. We were the ghost escapers. Dave and German, two idiots who drool in the face of death. Nice. So, you know, that was, that was fun. But, you know, even in the picture you saw, we were masked up. You have all these precautions to do this rally, even though you're in a car for six days, you, you can only really interact with your co-pilot. You both have to show up and do all the necessary steps to show like you're, you're COVID free and you just got a recent test and you're not going to mingle with, you know, lo locals or livestock and you're just going to do your driving and get on your way. And so that was one good thing I did during COVID. That was, that was awesome. And, you know, that was my reward, a, a, a rinky dink paper, shiny championship belt. <laughs> so I'm guaranteeing you, Bill, your medal is going to be worth way more. And Dave, the whole way through that story, the only thing that I can think is, is, is the links is I'm the lemon. It's whether or not I'm, I'm going to make it to the end of my journey. I, I feel like that lemon. <laughs> And, and I think that's the best part, you know, um, that car that we drove, we drove it from the, the, the middle of the mid-Atlantic to Chicago, which is already a 13 hour drive and then add on six more days of driving and it made it. And we only had one hiccup along the whole way and we fixed it. And then to make matters worse, we didn't shut the keys in the ocean. German drove the car all the way back across the States six more days. <laughs> so if you think that you are less uh capable than a 20-year-old vehicle that did 5700 miles total in two and a half weeks or whatever the math or two weeks man bill you're, you're gonna crush this thing man just take good care of yourself and eat well oh yeah i'll do that don't you worry and oh. uh that brings me nicely on to uh today's podcast sponsor which is subaru <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and robin you said you've been you've got nothing going on you're just doing jujitsu like that's that's it no other pretty much yeah it's um it, it sounds mega boring but um no books no reading no no movies no nothing to be fair get up in the morning five minute commute down the stairs make a cup of tea um, sit at my desk, all, you know, sit at my dining room table, the other end of the table to where I am now. Sit there and work all day, mess around and play with the kids. When I get, you know, once I finish, I finish quite early because I start early, and then you know, doing whatever we can for classes on Zoom and stuff. So it's, it's not much, much spare time. I'm, I'm no less busy than I was before. Yeah, but it's just not what it's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. And Pete, how, how are you handling your downtime? Are you doing anything different? Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm, I'm the luckiest in a way, or I'm lucky in a way, in that because we're still allowed to do personal training outside one-to-one, -one, so I can still train my clients. So I get, I get to interact with, what, five or six, you know, whatever, however many I've got that day, I get to actually interact with other people in real life. So 
you know, I'm kind of lucky from there. And then because I've got my own studio, I've got my own gym. So I've just been working baseline strength training. I've got some challenges this year, which I'm depend on COVID as to whether I can or can't do them. Um, some paddleboarding stuff. Um, so that's kind of set up for May that I'm going to paddle around. We've got an area called the Lake District and I'm going to paddle around the perimeter of all of the um, paddleable lakes in the Lake District. And that's targeted for May for me to do that back back. What was the difference? Just for just for clarity, you know, just for what's that? The day's benefit. How, how far is that? Uh, about nine hundred and seventy kilometres, and I'm going to do that over the course of about ten days. I'm aiming for 10, 12 days. So that's the plan. My but, goodness. Yeah. So I'm lucky. Like I say, I get to see people every day. I've got my own gym that I can just walk into, and I've got all of the equipment I could possibly need to train. So I'm just that's just one of what I'm doing. I've built a little extent. We've got a, I've taken over the, the unit next door. So, which sounds big, but it's not, it's like 300 square foot. Um, so I've been redecorating and, you know, doing that up ready for when we open up again with some more equipment in there and a bit of a permanent little mat space for one-to-ones and that kind of that's stuff. Brilliant. No, that's brilliant. So yeah, I'm probably the luckiest I'm, I'm in, in from that respect. All right, I, I'm getting to do a bit less jiu-jitsu than the other guys, but I am lucky in that I can at least keep training and, you know, throwing some weights around rather than going completely crazy. I don't know, you're still doing jiu-jitsu with Bob. Yeah, Bob the grappling dummy. I get to do a little bit of of, uh, of work with Bob, but he's, uh, yeah, he's not very dangerous. You get that feedback. Yeah, he's just, just missing a little something. I don't know what it is. Like a spine. Yeah, that's it. Oh, so now, now I guess my 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 kind of last question is: You got this going on, right? The the lockdown chronicles. What's your lineup for either the the next week, two weeks, three weeks? Like, who who do you got on deck? Ooh, go on, Robin. You can go through the list. Your um, next week on Thursday, we're doing Thursday rather than Friday, just because uh, Alan Baker's coming on. Good, good. The following week, back to Friday, we've got Howdor back on. Perfect. Um, nice to speak to him, just to just to hear about some sort of normality of being back to training, you know. Yeah. Um, after that, I don't know. Actually, we've got a couple of people that said yes when we asked the question of the day, so we need to follow up after that. Okay, um, at the moment, I guess we're going to have to we're going to spec out all of February, probably all of March. Might do April. <laughs> <laughs> on the safe side 2023 it's looking yeah. good um so obviously alan baker incredible talent um professor status he's a third degree black belt under master sour um runs the atlanta martial arts academy and um atlanta martial arts training center i i, I might be getting that wrong but you know I've, I've interacted with alan quite a bit over the years never have anything bad to say about him um i'm pretty sure Master Sauer is going to be focusing a lot of his efforts through that facility because it is such a massive facility. And now that professor's in Savannah, Georgia, Savannah to Atlanta is not that big of a, of a, mm. not that big of a travel. Um, James Venezio, who does have an academy in Savannah proper. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not certain that his school has the other amenities that they need for a world conference. I think he has incredible mat space um, and James Benizio might be someone you want to get on the show. Um, yeah, sure. James doesn't have, you know, a lot of, a lot of notoriety, like some of the other black belts who 
might actively compete or the ones who are constantly being invited to these seminars. But James is, James is a great talent. And like I said, if it weren't for him getting just like the inspiration to contact Bernardo Faria and Michael Zenga, none of this BGJ fanatic stuff would have happened for Pedro Sauer or myself. So, you know, James, James has some go-getter attitude and, and he's got a massive studio. I just think it's like 98% mats. It's like mats and cubbies. Fair deal to me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, when, you, when you're doing the World Conference, you want to have like classrooms and you want to have some other stuff. Uh, you guys never made it to the States for one of them, right? Um, they're, they're a big deal. And there's a lot of instructor certification training, classes on how to grow your business, um, you're sitting down, you have a clipboard, you're, you're taking notes. It, it, it's a, it's an experience and a half. And having been to, I think eight or nine of them, um, cause we had one in the fall, one in the spring every year for the last five, almost five years. Um, yeah, they're, they're big. And we've had everybody from Henry and Huron, um, Ryan Lazarus, Greg Nelson, Jeff Curran, um, Johnny Carlquist, James Garner, uh, it's a pretty expansive list of, of top, top folk. And, you know, I, I end up getting snagged to do some free stuff almost every single time. So, uh, I'm not on the clock, but I'm always on the clock. And the, um, the benefit is, you know, every single time you have a world conference, you also get, you know, three to six hours of Pedro time. So that's the big draw for those guys. And um, just having Pedro so close to James and James so close to Pedro, he might be someone good to have on the show. Yeah. Uh, Alan, I, I'm guessing when he comes on next week, is going to talk a lot about the new structure to the board of directors since he's on it. Um, he'll probably talk about, you know, the, the next conference, which I believe is in April um, and maybe some other cool things like how he's doing marketing and good stuff. Uh, then Haldor, he's, He's been a godsend to me during all of this because he has shipped me some of the coolest stuff you can imagine. He got me um, two bags of ground cough. You know what I'm going to say? I think I might know what it is. Hang on, see if I've got one in the cupboard. I've got Oh, yes! <laughs> yes! Yes, yes! The, yes! That's awesome. So... Shit yeah, going around the world. <laughs> yeah. shit, shit, coffee. Here we go. Um, no, and it's and it's so rad because uh, the whiskey infused smoked sheep dung coffee, and it's so like unapologetically Icelandic that I fucking love it. Like I, I, and here's the best part: he knows I don't drink coffee, but I will cherish that till the day I die. And I will have it until it's mold and ash and it's still just so awesome. But, you know, Haldor said, he said a few such things and every single time it's like, you know, my eyes light up. So can't wait to see uh, Alan Baker's show. I can't wait to see uh, when, when Haldor's back on. And then, and then after that, you said you don't got anybody lined up. No, we had a couple of people who said yes in the, in the uh, affiliate group the other day when we put the question out. So we, we'll, we'll see. We just, didn't think that far ahead. Yeah, take your time. Take your time. <laughs> this, was, uh, this was a bit like a bit like lockdown in general, wasn't it? The podcast. We said, oh, we'll do a podcast. We'll knock out like five episodes. Yeah, we never expected to be in our mid-20s. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but you know, you have to be doing them every week, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and you could space them out better. You can you could do some other things differently. It, it's to the user. You guys make it up as you go and talk to the people you want to talk to. You don't just have to have every Tom, Dick, and Harry on on your on your you know your screen. So you know, if you have somebody that you're like, oh man, I really like to pick this person's brain, or man, I I heard this name get dropped and I never thought to to reach out to them. Maybe it's a good chance to get to know somebody. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Do it. Yeah. We've like, met so many people, really, haven't we? Like, I'd say, I, I don't know what the split is, but say it's 50-50. You know, a bunch of people we've met, like yourself, like Howdor, you know, like people that we train with, and we, we have trained with before, we've had Keith Owen on, Louisa Redier, et cetera, et cetera. But other ones, we, 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 we've never spoken to these people before, but it's it's been really, um, really good for that. Yeah. yeah. And you never had any contact with Mike Diaz before, right? No, no, we did. He, yeah, he, uh, he took my blue belt test. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. Because yeah. it, there was a story... Um, Alan Hopkins was supposed to come over, but it was an issue with his flights and stuff. So last minute, Mike Horahan basically got on the phone to Mike Diaz and said, oh, do you mind flying out to the UK? Um, and he, 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 he pretty much packed his suitcase and left within a couple of hours, by all accounts. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He came and did our test. So Mike, Mike Diaz is a... Uh, man, he's such a gem. Not only is he one of the nicest guys you'll meet, but he, he has this almost like... James Bond style charisma to him where he, when he runs a class, it could just completely kick your ass him doing like his uh, gymnastica natural movements as his warm up, And yet when he gives the command, you're just like, yep, I'm doing it here. I am. And it's like, man, Pete, if, if you can just like shave a bit of Mike Diaz off and like put it in your back pocket, your client base would explode. And I don't know why he doesn't do it. Like he, he does it for fun for himself, but he just has that kind of personality that um, he can get people to, to, to do things that are miserable with a smile. So yeah. maybe that should be Pete's tagline. That might, that might be where you're going with a smile. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, I, I don't want to say too much. That's um, kind of up in the air, but, I'm looking forward to when I can do my own jujitsu stuff again. And um, when I'm not, when I'm not training here, you know, I wouldn't mind going in very specific directions. And the things I want to focus on is just, you know, building better grapplers. I want people to know that wrestling is a wrestling in the sense that you're standing up, you take the person down, you get taken down, get back to your feet. We're, we're, horrendously behind the ball curve on that lately as a community, even though the leg lock game is increasing. It used to be the other way around. It used to be, we had no leg locks, but we at least would start standing and do like, you know, clinch, pummel, takedown, hip throw, this and that. We have it in the Pedro Sauer curriculum, but go across town, you know, see, see how the other side lives. Are they doing that at, you know, gym X, Y, or Z? It, it's hard. Like the jujitsu community just is not, doing great with their takedown knowledge and takedown defense and getting back up. So, um, you know, I, I want to kind of bring it back to that time when it was, well, you got two points for a takedown. And if you ended up in their guard, you're still getting two points for the takedown because you're still on top. Now, if you pass the guard, you're getting three points because now you can punch them easier. If you go to neon belly, your punches are stronger. If you go to mount, your punches are stronger. Like the reason why those positions have points in a sport tournament is because they were predicated on the fight. 
we're losing our martial way and we're becoming more art. So, um, you know, there's, there's room to, to be safe, but make the mindfulness of why we're doing what we do be in the front seat again. And, um, I'll be excited for when the restrictions lift and I get back to that. Now, I know that I was in contact with you, Pete, about some miniatures that I've been painting. And uh, unfortunately, the store that I was trying to buy them from in the UK, because the game I'm into is Warhammer 40K and they're, they're uh, produced by English, you know, the, the, the English folk. It's hard to get anything out here. And yet they can... They, they appear to have tons of stock over there, but they don't ship internationally right now. So I was going to finagle something with Pete to have a store send it to him and then he was going to send it to me. But uh, I ended up not needing the pieces after all. But I've been doing miniature modeling and it's so weird to be like this guy who's known for footlocks. And next thing you know, I'm sitting like painting something that's 30 millimeters tall. But it's um, it's therapeutic. It's, it's a different level of focus attention to detail you know um you're still you're still very methodical in your in your process my paint shit my, my paint jobs are, are utter garbage but uh it's good to be a white belt at something again right so nice. that's, yeah that's why I, that's why i ask you know anyway um i'm gonna kick off but yeah you know just just going through uh bill keep up the rowing you know keep me posted send me a message every once in a while you know uh, let me know, let me know your progress when you hit like those, those huge mile markers of 20%, 40%, 50%, whatever they are. When you go through particular towns on your route, Bill. Yeah. yeah. Get postcards sent to me. I'll send them on to you, Dave. <laughs> please, please. Uh, Robin, read a fucking book. <laughs> do, do something. Learn a card trick. No, seriously though, you know. It, Make bananas disappear. Listen, as long as you're with your family and you're and you're you're giving them the right time, man, I, I appreciate that you're you're spending your time wisely. Um, yeah, I, I I mean that only in jest. That you know you you you. you I should read a fucking book. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you not learn how to make bread on day three hundred and thirty of lockdown? <laughs> you know. What you need I, to do, Robin, is get a really good. Uh, I've heard there's some been some good releases from BJJ Fanatics recently, so maybe you could get one of those. Yeah. No, I'll just sit in the corner crying. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the very least, you can take notes. Um, <laughs> what the tears of them? Yeah. <laughs> and then Pete, and you know, I, I hope you, I hope that new space that you, you acquired that that unit next door. I hope it pans out, and you know, keep me posted on that because obviously, you guys are my friends, and I want everybody to succeed. And I want you all to have a good mental state. So some of that is based on what you do with your free time. Some of it's how you, you know, adequately use the, the time that you've got. And so uh, grateful once again for you guys hosting me and having me on here. Yeah, uh, appreciate look forward you. to watching next week and you'll probably see me in the chats making fun of Haldor's uh, shit coffee, but uh, it's good times. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Do you want to, you want to put Stop. out your social cool. media channels or anything oh yeah do that like the usual sign off nothing just just no, I mean, no no it's you know it's it's lanky underscore mongoose on instagram and i just had to fire that back up i'm back on facebook and i i wanted to unplug from the matrix and i did for like a full year and i felt so strong but then you know when you when you're trying to be a business owner and, you, and you're in the uh, contactless world of of covid 
you have to have the social media to at least let people know you exist. And especially for product endorsement and, and sales, I had to kind of make people know I'm still there. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm back on Facebook. And then uh, it's my, my uh, uh, pseudonym is uh, Lanky Mongoose on, on Instagram. So Sweet. good stuff. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Yeah, Great to see you, Dave. Take care. Pleasure. Guys, stop that live stream. Thanks, guys. Check it out. If you want to check it out, obviously, you've got the YouTube video, or you can check it out on um, any place that you get your podcasts, like Spotify or 